Hello everybody and welcome back to Reload Podcast. This is episode number 19. My name's Lee Maxwell and as usual I'm joined by... Connor McCann. And Nigel Lamont. Uh, our last episode was 18. We were joined by Colin from Reload and Robin from Studio 10. And today we're going to have some news. Connor has a little uh, history topic for us. And we'll have some listeners' questions as usual at the end. So, will we kick off? History with Connor sounds intriguing. Yep. Well, <laughs> we'll see what happens with that. So, what's new with yourselves? We've had, well, I don't know why you're asking. It's weird that you're asking me this question because we live together. <laughs> but it's the illusion of a podcast. I know, yeah. Uh, good interviewing technique there. We've been working on getting uh, the groundworks and stuff started for putting up the new garage at home. So we've exciting been, times absolutely so we've been moving a lot of stuff trying to clear the yard take down fences and greenhouses and things and move cars that haven't turned a wheel in four or five years in some cases <laughs> yeah your carado <laughs> yeah so uh yeah it's so, been what's, what's sort, what sort of size is she had that we mentioned before in the podcast what sort of size i don't think so no. and we keep referring to it as a garage because that's what we're going to use it as but i think it's throwing a lot of people because most people's expecting it to be a sort of one or two car guards but it's it's a workshop well it's 50 foot by 26 foot so 15 meters by 8 meters roughly bit of size yeah that's uh nice and girthy mm. still ladies like team medium <laughs> and um yeah but it's going to be mainly used for keeping cars good and we'll have the two workshops ready and everything that gets produced from the workshops lies outside and tends to rot away again so it's trying to combat that it's more of a storage unit then rather than a pretty much workshop. yeah keep things nice yeah, yeah. Um, Lee's Corrado, which she says, was moved for the first time in probably five years. Yeah. Under yeah. its own power? No. Under pickup power? Because Connor stole bits off it to fit his VR6 years ago. It's a revelation for me that you've stole parts of a car. Another car, yeah. Uh, was it the ECU, really? But saying that now, two wheels were locked solid. and the Fronts pick- or rears? Uh, both no, on one side. No, two on one side. Handbrake wasn't on because we're smart like that, but um, no, it was the two drivers' side were locked solid, and then we sort of we dragged it up as far up the yard as we could get, and then we said, right, we're gonna have to try and disconnect all the brakes, free it up a bit, thinking that would be a nightmare. We the two calipers off in what about twenty minutes, yeah. and all the carrier bolts were like you'd swear somebody had changed them two days ago. Everything was nice and free on it. Good Crado, that's all I can say. I'll tell you what, Crados <laughs> have a bad reputation. This thing's class and. I thought this thing's going to be rotten after sitting outside for five years. We get under it and things fine. It needs a wing, but it always needed a wing. Yeah, the wing has got a lot worse. But, but the rest of it's fine. It needs paint, but yeah, like it's solid. Just from dealing with a few Corrados over the years, I think the later Corrados they got a better underseal or something. There seems to be a real thick. The earlier, like eighty nine, sixteen valve ones, uh-huh. they were rot boxes. Like, well, Jesus, Mark threes are the complete opposite of that. The early ones seem to be better than the later ones. Was it a steel change in the Mark III, do you think? It could be. There's a lot of theories on it. Nobody really seems to know. They'll tell you they know, but nobody really knows. Yeah. Lee's is 95 ER6. Yeah. And what's the code? Bramble, you call it? It's purple, but it's called Bramble or something like that. It's actually a nice color when it's Yeah, it begins fresh. with a B, but I can't remember. <laughs> um, it doesn't ring any bells. Yeah, I... I should know the color of them, but... There's there three different purples in the Kratos, yeah. apparently. But no, they're, they're such a good... It was sitting outside the kitchen window for the past what two or three days kind of mm. thing and every time i was like doing the dishes or loading the the washing machine i was looking i was like they're such a good looking car the side profile of them is so good uh, that's what dream, always drew me that crowd was the profile from the side but there's a, there's some angles and you're just like mm. it's that that picture i took of your car it fitted do you remember oh, um, yeah 
I love it. It's probably one of the... But if you see if you come out from the front and side, you know, the corner, just... Uh-huh. The front on photo of a crowd with me looks weird. It looks sad. Yeah. The bonnet kind of like they're kind of pinched at the front. Yeah, and it looks a bit. It made me sad when I tried to fit an intercolor in the front of it. I was about <laughs> to say that. <laughs> yeah, you'd lose a lot of room in the front end of that car compared to Mark II. Yeah, yeah, not a lot of room in the, the engine bays of the crowd, isn't it? But no, hopefully that'll be sort of post Christmas anyway. You'll take into that. Yeah, hopefully so. I'm looking forward to getting it indoors and tidied up so I can actually. Have a look at it. Exciting time at the yeah South Fork. Yeah, so we're yeah because you put a picture up your bin this week on social media. Oh, the bin, and people oh. thought you lived in a mansion in the country. <laughs> yeah, um, a lot of people still don't believe that we live in is actually a bit of a shithole. Well, the picture you took it looked like your your driveway was about half a mile long. Oh, so oh I'm just fell off the desk. <laughs> I'll leave it. It's fine. Um, so you were saying a lot of people were going here. Weird, yeah, weird flex, but okay. <laughs> a lot of people were saying that the bin men leave their bins out in the middle of the road as well. And I mean, I've had messages from here, England, America, New Zealand, and somewhere in Europe. Seemingly it's universal. Bin yeah. men are just dicks everywhere. Yeah, bin men are awesome. <laughs> if you're a bin man, please crash your vehicle. I, I've only, like I've been paying for the service of the bin men now for 20 years. And uh, I've had one incident where they didn't empty it. And that was it. I no, and that's the town. I suppose the country's maybe different. It'll always get emptied. It's always fine. It's when they empty it, they leave it land in the middle of the driveway, yeah. and then you or have the to middle stop. of the road. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sometimes they're in the middle of the road, and then there's other times it's in the middle of the driveway, and you have to stop on the road to pull it in. Well, the next time they're doing their bin collection, just pull in front of them, park in the road, and lock the car and walk away. How uh, do you like it? <laughs> yeah, it'd be terrible if uh, a cat shit under the handle of it, wouldn't it? I don't okay. know how that would be possible, but it could happen. Here, 2020 is a weird year. <laughs> it is a weird year. There's <laughs> somebody step out on them at the end of the road. Talking about weird years, you didn't see the pictures from the fire in San Francisco? Yes, I, everything's red. The... Oh, somebody put a video, actually shared on Facebook, was the, uh, and they put Blade Runner music in the background. Yeah, that's what it's like. That is freaky looking out there. Like That happened a few, was it last year? Remember I sent you a photo, Lee, outside our work? And you walked outside in the whole... I can't remember if it was like an orange or a purple haze in the air. It was like, it was like a weird filter or something. Was that a sunset, was it? No, it was like afternoon kind of thing. But apparently it's to do with dust particles in the air. Something had happened around the world. It was probably when the sky or the, goes orange or whatever, apparently it's usually Saharan sand or something. Uh, maybe that it. was it, yeah. Cause it was like, and then your car's just covered this film of crap. Yeah, destroys the paint. Yeah. Good for Robin. Yeah, good business. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what about yourself, Nigel? Anything new? Busy week. Um, empty in bank accounts. You know, the usual carry-on. So uh, my addiction of Monster Energy got surpassed by my addiction to buying BBS wheels. Nice. That's a, that's a big surpassing moment. I have a set of 16 RESs that have been very, very slowly building, uh, as in haven't done anything to them in six months. It sounds a bit like my cars. And then I was sort of... Not really looking, but looking. And then a fellow karate, karate enthusiast in the South England put up a set of gorgeous RSs and uh, pulled the trigger. They're not yours? Yeah, but they're not here. And I'm actually going to go over and collect them at some stage. Oh, that's good. Make a road trip out of it. I, guess, I know Scott, and then he let, he's best friends with uh, Will Smith. The in, Fresh Prince? Not the Fresh Prince. He, <laughs> he runs Chelmsford Autos in uh, Chelmsford, funnily enough. I've sold a few things to him over the years for our 32 bits. And uh, so between him and them two, I'll, I'll gather it up probably in November. I'll head over. Very good. I'll probably, I was talking to Robin about this, maybe making a, a long day trip, maybe a day and a half or whatever, and maybe grabbing a car over there 
very sort nice. of flip it on the way back. Anything in particular or just whatever? two hundred for sure. Oh, of course. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I was actually on Auto Trader looking to see I tell you what, IS two hundred sports are hard to get. Yeah. Well, there's not a whole lot of them about. Um, well, there are, but not decent ones would be the other thing. No, I was just if I could get some just sort of cheap that I could maybe help pay for the boat or whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah. that's it. Yeah, if you can cover your cost, that's that's yeah. the main thing to do. They're they're coming home soon. You're releasing the specs of them, are you? Yeah, well, yeah, they're they're nothing mental. Like they're eight and a half and nines with half inch and inch lips. I'm going on Mark Two. Hopefully. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> going to be perfect. And that's your your Mark Two is a big bumper, isn't it? Ah, the different one. Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. C60 Arches and also perfect. It's perfect clearance and stuff. Funny, I said I've been on a massive horn for small bumper Mark Twos for a couple of years now. And one got posted on Facebook the other day. It was a black big bumper on 15 inch RSs. And I was just like, where where was this all my life? You yeah. know, that was this classic look. And I suppose it's the kind of thing you get sick of looking at after a while, but it's just timeless. And that's yeah. that's what you're going to aim for with yours, which is good. RSs are done to death, but I find it hard on a Mark II to have a better looking wheel. Yeah, they work. Lee's but currently trying not to be sick. It's, it's done to death, but yeah, it is what it is. It's the perfect OEM plus wheel for me. Yeah. No, well, that car, that's what you want. Yeah, I've always had a vision in my head, and Matt, with his Mark II VR6, that wasn't far off what I'm, what I'm looking for. Excellent. Yeah, it's yeah. like the sort of the big bumper I, version I, of it. I didn't want to go 17s just for drivability's worth. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to go uh, slightly wider 16 and try and get a bit more, more drivability out of it. Yeah. yeah, that'll be good. So, uh, um. Also, the bucket seat fiasco rumbled on this week. I was thinking I was talking about the last one. I bought yeah, it. yeah. You said you bought about you have about five of them now. At the minute. Yeah. So the good seat that I bought, I'm gonna say good. The the one the the best of the seats I bought. Um, it was to be shipped to me, and it finally arrived via a lot of destinations. Oh, yeah. It was just a mess. It friend of a friend was a courier. This fella and went to another courier, and uh, yeah. A lot of messages were sent, and eventually it arrived. Aye, eventually. I think it got lost or something, but it turned up. I was actually at work on Monday, and my wife sent me a picture of it in the front hall. Mm. And they must have let, let, let it lie outside, because the packaging in it was absolutely soaking as well. So, real nice touch to end it all. Aye, not that there was much packaging <laughs> on it, was there? No, there was just a bit of cling, not cling film, but a bit of plastic sheeting over it, you know. Aye. Tidy. Top job, but it's here at long last. I know, that's the worst thing you're getting stuff like that shipped. It's always a panic, thinking, you know, is this going to get lost or damaged? Or, yeah. And then when it does get there, at least that's it solved. Yeah, so stress is over. Got my bucket seat, and it's for the track car, but me being me, I was uh, done an early shift that day. I came home, and that evening, um, I just thought, mm, I wonder what this looks like in Edition 30. So Of course. Yeah, it well. didn't take too long to swatch to switch it over. I just had to adjust a bit of the tilt and bit of the back and forth rake or was that what uh, you yeah. And uh yeah, it sits sits lovely. Well see the way I would justify that to myself is you're setting it up for the track car, which yeah. is the same car, so it's all good. Yeah, that's not a sliding rail, so it's just bolts to adjust. So yeah, but more or less dialed in there. I might tweak it a wee bit more, but once I do, um I'll just pop it over into the track car. So track car, um I don't think I'll get the track days this year. Um, just the way things are going. Um, but Probably not a whole lot left, is there? Well, they, I think they run their last one the first week in November, track skills. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm still looking. I, I was going to go all out in the car. And then after chatting to Andy Maxwell, he says, why don't you just run it on the standard brakes? 
what you have at the minute and then make it a sort of adventure to every track day modify it a bit more modify it a bit yeah, more and see true. the difference rather than just going having everything done and then you get bored of it very that's quick. what i was going to say you'll end up getting bored of it and then you'll yeah. sell it on is yeah. normally what happens so i might just put the standard brakes on just buy like an mtech c hook disc or something like that there with some good fast road pads in yeah to be yeah. honest even a set of pageant pads or something like that is yeah they'll, they'll always do you well and that sort of yeah. thing um but eventually i want golf r um 340 mil brakes um so that's up to speed with me anyway well i've um been paranoid about my mark three the wee base spec one the red one and one of the the bumpers on them is very hard to get because no one wanted those cars they all got scrapped the bumpers are on painted plastic and fully textured and of course in moving everything around getting everything sorted for the yard one of them got damaged and there's now a four inch scratch in it so i can't even describe how mad i was like i was actually fucking livid like i was bouncing do you you, you find yourself like i I screw up a lot as you know do you find yourself after you've screwed up going why did i do that i knew i was going to do that well i was doing that about someone else because it wasn't me that damaged it and i knew they would do it and they offered to move the car and they were like no i'll move what i'm doing and then it (laughs) happened but like literally i was up mad i wasn't right for about two days after like i was lying in bed at night oh i was raging because you can't get them that's the thing they don't yeah. do them new because they're unpainted texture plastic you can't repair them ah, you know, it's it fucked like and the annoying thing was the front bumper has like the tiniest wee mark on it which was annoying me anyway but i was like it'll do it's not that noticeable but i'll get a replacement for it at some point the back bumper is immaculate it just needed died and then this happened and i was like oh so and Thankfully, if you guys actually reached out to me, we're listeners as well. Um, Irish Chris, uh, Donald Toll, and Karen Gunn all gave me a shout and were like, "Look, I'll should have a lead on this. I'll try and get you sorted with something." So, sweet. That's hopefully, they about. can. Um, at that, it's literally if there's one around the world somewhere, I will get a chip because I want it. Like, because at the end of the day, it's going to get harder to get as time goes on. But yeah. I'm just glad. Hopefully, I can get one for it because that's the beauty of having something that nobody wanted is there's not a whole lot i'm about yeah. and it's sickening to think how many of them went to the scrapyard over the years that were worthless you know to people because they didn't want them everybody wanted gti reps or at least something with a bit of color on the bumper yeah, yeah so that was fun i was angry i'm less angry now i'm still not 100 percent, but sure what can you do you're emotionally damaged though. i've always been emotionally damaged <laughs> as lee would say yeah yeah how was his moodly poor <laughs> yes have you seen me that angry in a long time not for a while to be honest no no i was very angry probably um, not since dubshed or something yeah <laughs> yeah everybody's angry at dubshed <laughs> yeah that's probably a bit right oh dear so has anybody got anything for youtube then i've got four youtube things just to mention in passing the first channel i've sort of started to watch over the last few weeks it's a guy from uh, Birmingham, T.R. Hamza. Uh, no, it isn't a, an ISIS group. I was um, going to say, it sounds very ISIS-y. It's a guy from Birmingham and he's just absolutely obsessed with um, anything TFSI and sort of not new school-ish last 10 to 20 years of Volkswagen tuning. Ah, the turbo type stuff? He just has edition 30s, R32, stuff like that there. Um, he's a good channel. As I say, lots of TFSI content. He has two or three edition 30s. Um, he has recently bought a brand new RS3. Um, the videos are around his cars, how he tunes them, repairs them, treats them, 
Um, one of the videos was he bought the cheapest R32 in the UK. Of course, that's five door good. red base spec, like complete cloth seats. That's uh, a Mark V, is it? Yeah, Mark V. Sorry, um, it's, it's he's obsessed with Mark Vs. Like, uh huh. And edition thirty, it'll follow. The video was in edition thirties. It'll be basically him tuning them and stuff. Um, his latest one he put up last night. He has a five door black edition thirty, and he fully um he went to town on it with a. Oh, what do you call the guys that do that uh, hybrid turbo? Oh, oh I wouldn't it's know. on the channel, but it's a Dragon 430 turbo we put on it. And, uh, yeah, that's the latest one. It's it's interesting if you're into the, the, the tune of the, the new school yeah. Volkswagen stuff. And uh, he's up at Artec in Coventry, the big TFSA tuner. All oh, right, I was going to say, is that the Clio boys? But that was K-Tech, actually, was K-Tech the Clio's, yeah. Um, and they're, they're two headers, the boys that run it. Like, That's so, good, makes for good content. Yeah. There's that there, yeah. So um, if you're at if you're on YouTube looking some car content, TR Hamza, uh, some of his videos are better than others, is common on most channels, but um, yeah, there's a lot of good VW content. Excellent. As we're prone to it. Um, also, just in passing, Danny DC2, I've always been a fan of his channel. Um, it's a heavily JDM content channel. Uh, he's a guy from Yorkshire. I've mentioned him before, but he also does uh, some BMW stuff. He actually took a break for a month. Um, I think YouTube was getting to him a bit and stuff. I uh, sort of the demand of having to put stuff out, I suppose. Yeah, um, he del- deleted a few videos and then he changed the channel name to his own proper name, Dan Sylvester. So uh, that's a strange move. Yeah, um, I think he had it's named Danny DC Two after. Is Integra DC2 uh-huh. he used to take the Nürburgring, Nürburgring all the time um, his channel he started back to more or less a weekly release again mm-hmm. um, he deleted a lot of his previous videos I would love to know what the story is with it but that's definitely um, strange very very heavy workshop sort of stuff He's, that's good sounds like myself he works in a call center um, we, actually, we actually reached out to him last year reload and uh, give him some stuff and um, he's totally spot on um, helped us out a bit but he just works at night having a group of guys have a it's basically a farm shed out in the middle of the country that they work on cars in excellent and uh, yeah it's content good so watch that if you want me either I have one Weston Champlin I, I don't know why I haven't talked about this long ago because Weston Champlin yeah Champlin he's American Right. And he's very American. Sounds like a chef that was in BBC. <laughs> a posh chef. He's far from a posh chef, I'll tell you that. Um, was one of the listeners, Adam Buchanan, put me on to him a few months back, and I sort of dipped in out of his stuff, and then I've watched a whole load of it recently. He's big into TDIs, like as in the common stuff, like 6.2, 600 commons. And he's... Diesel Brothers type stuff? Yeah, that like heavy stuff. And he has done a 2015 EcoBoost Mustang. He bought, I can't remember if it was hit or if it had a busted engine, and he's put the 6.2 Cummins into it. It's called the Smokestang, and it is an absolute animal of a thing. It's He's quite good. He's he's rash, but he's not, like, rash for the sake of the video, if you know what I mean. He's just doing it the way he would do it. Functional rashness. Yeah. Um, like, anyway, some things you can see is very set up, and you're going, like, yeah, it's a bit like I got with Top Gear in the end. It was just, you can kind of see everything coming. This is just like will this work yeah okay right do that sort of thing so he's got it up and running now and it's there's no bonnet on it he's recently put the front end onto it and there's a stack out the bonnet essentially that you just 
he's driving along and just floors it and it's just a plume of black smoke Does out of the Mustang. The a flapper? No, flapper? not yet. No. I, would, I, I would imagine it's coming. Cletus has, he has a big uh, Galaxy or something with a diesel coming. Aye, yeah. and it's a wee, it flap, do, you ever, do you ever drive anything with one of those? Suppose an old tractor running? No, they're so noisy. Uh, the 2140 has one. Yeah, it's like clack, 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 clack. That drives me absolutely mental. <laughs> I think he's recently bought a. Well, he has a six by six army truck as well. Um, as you do. Yeah, and he's recently bought a Ford Raptor that was hit. I imagine it's going to get a Cummins too, and I cannot wait until he buys a Tesla and swaps it. The Raptors are ridiculous money, aren't yeah. they? Like they're near a hundred thousand for a good one. See, big trucks they got in America though. I don't know how the guys affording them. They're like seventy to hundred thousand dollars is monthly. Yeah, and it's just a case of can you afford the repayment? But well, if you take that over seven years. By the time you get your seventh year payment, that truck's going to be worth nothing, and you're still paying a massive amount on it. But will they keep them the seven years? Mm, yeah, true. But then you're going to be. I, w- I watched the program Discovery years ago. It was Car Kings or something, and it was this big, big dealership uh-huh. in America somewhere, and people were coming in, and it was basically, what's what's the monthly in that? Aye, nobody cares about what the actual cost of and something that, is, and that's the way it is here now. I was actually watching a YouTube channel this morning, and it was basically this dealership in London, and he supplies footballers. And he was basically saying, we list the car, we don't list the price. Uh, yeah. We list the monthly at the end of the... Well, that's, you can see that even coming with all this, like, the way it's now, like, a, um, is it Nissan? We're doing, like, a, a hire service for cars, essentially, so you don't own the car, you just pay a monthly payment. You can pick, like, you know, anything within that bracket for the month kind of thing. So as long as you can afford that, you know, they don't care what the final cost is. Yeah. Where I'm sort of old school and look at it and go, 40 grand for that, no thanks. The problem is with that, as you say, you end up with a worthless car in seven years, or if you trade it in before the seven years is up, you just roll the debt into, into something else. another car, which is probably more expensive, and you just keep building up, which is all fine when you're still in a position where you can afford the payments, but as soon as something happens, and we know at the minute how volatile the economy and jobs and stuff is, like your job could be gone tomorrow and suddenly you have this huge debt. Yeah, you've accumulated 40 grand's worth from a couple of cars. Yeah. Yeah. Scary stuff, like. I think the problem is that car prices have just went steadily more and more over the years, but wages haven't followed. That's the thing. It's look at phones. So then to get the yeah. sale of cars, it's the only way you can sell a car now is yeah. to finance it. Oh, definitely. I think it's or a, lease it or PCP or whatever. I think it's a mixture of two things. I think it's a mixture of the likes of the EU forcing cars to have certain equipment. So you have like reversing cameras and things. So that obviously ups the cost for manufacturers. Mm -hmm. But then I think there's a side of the manufacturers going, how far can we push this? That people will still pay a monthly payment on it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of dealers and stuff now, they don't want you to buy a car for cash because they make more money on those finance payments anyway. Any salesman will tell you, like a lot of his commission is the finance part. Yeah. And there's there's no such thing as a deal for cash anymore. Like it doesn't exist. They don't want it. No. I think I was telling somebody a few years back and the likes of 106s and Clayton, not 106, 206s and Cleo's. I think the salesmen for them, basic cars was, I think it was like a 50 quid commission on a sale. Ah, uh, yeah. Probably worth their while. So the bolt-ons, the packages, the finance. The gap that's insurance, where they make, that's where they make. The, your warranty, your extended warranty, your service package, all that. Yeah. That's what they want you to buy. They don't care what car you buy, really. I'm a salesman's nightmare. What's it likely when I go in to buy something in a shop? Yeah. You know, the, the, when the curries and they're trying to do all the add-ons, I'm like, no thanks, no thanks, no thanks, no thanks. And they just keep going. And I'm like, no thanks. And even if, they, I would imagine if they got to something I would want out of badness, I'd be like, no thanks. It's fine. <laughs> I'll bet elsewhere. I actually bought a new TV this week and I faffed about Google, Google and Googled and uh, went into Curry's and looked around. Curry's hardly have a TV 
in their shop anymore. Yeah, it's there's a weird. serious problem with supply with TVs at the moment because the factories are closing on and off because they're getting shut down and stuff. But uh, I ended up going out the back of Castle Court to Richard Sounds. Nice local business. What's that TV? Huh? Did it work <laughs> for you? Uh, right, <laughs> Give me five minutes here, and I went outside Google. And he was beating the other suppliers by forty quid. And he had it sitting there. Brilliant! Ah, you can't beat that. Yeah. There's a lot to be said for local. I've used them before, like so. No, that's good. I've went off topic here, Connor, slightly. What, what about yourself then? Any other YouTube? Uh, just two quick ones. Um, the Build Biology series and the Hoonigan Channel. The Hoonigan Channel is very, very good. I think it's really up this game this this year. Um, it was about two or three weeks ago now. I actually forgot to mention it in the last episode. They've done a Build, build Biology on an electric 935 running run Tesla motors. That's interesting, yeah. Yeah, at a full, full uh, Kramer wide body body kit. Um, it was half the weight of a Tesla, 450 kilowatts, 635 newton meters of torque, two wheel drive, not to 60 in two seconds. A death machine then? Yep, yep. Um, if you can see past the fellow that built it, because he's very, very excited to be on the video and he just wants <laughs> to talk. Um He's very, very knowledgeable, the fellow that's showing them around his car that he's built. Uh-huh. But, geez, he would get on your work after a while. Aye. Well, but, I suppose maybe if he's not used to that kind of thing, he might be nervous and just yeah. blattering things out. No, I think out. he is used to it. It's just... He wants you to know. He's very teed up. Uh-huh. I don't know if there was white lines done before that video was shot or right. what. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he took dear. a lot of monster energy that day. We'll that's, put it down to Put it down, yes. <laughs> very excited. Um, no, the Build Biology series in Hoonigan channel. Check it out. Uh, some very interesting stuff on it at the moment. And they go into a lot of details, usually about a 15-20 minute video, and they do a full walk around in the workshop and go through all the details that each car they bring in. That's nice. That's yeah. good to see stuff like that rather than just a, a camera pan around a car uh, now and again. Or what they usually do is just different out the backyard. Also true, yeah. That gets old <laughs> fast. Oh well. Um, the last one, just a 13-20 video. Again, I forgot to mention this in the last episode, but we had actually talked about it before we played record. Or okay. Press record button. It was the RS3. Um, oh, yeah. 1100 brake horsepower built one. And Met a sad end. Home built, fully forged build, hybrid turbo. Say 1100 brake. Um, it's the street racing series on the 1320 uh, video channel. So it's all rolling road, or all rolling racing. Yeah. Out the streets. Uh, I don't know what city they're in. The guy that owns the RS3, he was a bit confident. Um, overconfident would you say yeah and you're going okay okay but here he started beating 720 S's 1000 plus brake GTR's all the rest of it very light package 1100 brake and then towards the end of the video he had Kyle from 1320 running passenger uh-huh. and next thing the car went on fire Ooh. at 100 odd miles an hour oh that's the speed you want your car to go on fire yeah and they had no brakes Ah, also good. So the video shows him basically rolling to a grind and halt for about five minutes, and the car is just going up more and more in flames. That thing's DSG, isn't it? Yeah. So you can't even jam it into first and let the gearbox grind itself to stop it. Kind of sitting there put it in the gear, and he's going, it's DSG, I can't. Um, so apparently what had happened, I think you'll find towards the end of the video, it was a brake line had popped uh-huh. and put hot uh, brake fluid, fluid over the exhaust. Ooh. So it wasn't actually engine failure, it was... Brake? Um, and then the end of the video was basically the fireman putting out a burnt out shell this side of the road. That's a lot of money's worth gone. Yeah. So funny yeah. talking to the Max Bar guys back in I think it was episode seven. Um, I think it was Dan was saying that they used to go in out with the guys doing the modified cars for new features and stuff like that. Dodgy. And they were like, <laughs> yeah, he was like, 
just drive this the way you would normally drive it. You know, if that's... Bad move. Oh, uh, well, I was thinking more as don't be trying to impress right. anybody and don't fucking kill me yeah. sort of thing. So I think that was a lot of... But I can imagine your man Kyle thinking the same thing going... You could see Kyle was panicking and the cabin was just full of smoke and you could see flames coming out. That's... And it was still rolling. Kyle actually said he was thinking of jumping out at 40 or 50 mile an hour. 100 mile an hour on fire with no brakes and no way to slow her down is uh, a panic session there. Yeah. And it probably is an electronic handbrake as well. That wouldn't happen on Mark II or Mark III because the rear caliper would probably be seized and probably bring you to a stop anyway. Oh, yeah. The, <laughs> if you had a 400 horsepower engine, the Mark III, it really feels about 200 with like, the brakes dragging. Like people have criticized Mark IIs and Mark Threes for the seized rear calipers, but Volkswagen were clever. They were. They, they were, were smart. thinking about your safety. <laughs> <when> the, <laughs> Here, at the very least, you have a fucking um, a manual handbrake yep. you can pull on. I do not like these electric handbrakes. Mm-hmm. They're good as a parking brake, but. All on that, they can stick them up your arse. Yeah. I don't have any uh, any YouTubes because I'm not really a video person, as you know. Like you say to me, have you seen this video? Have you seen this video? And I'm like, no. No, I haven't. No, I, haven't. I don't watch videos. People send me videos. I don't watch them. You I read, just don't. You read more, would you? I like to read things. So yes. I accidentally went down a rabbit hole last week. Of um, I saw on Facebook somebody had posted, um, I think it's a Dodge Ram pickup. Oh, yes. And so they've extended the bed on it, and it's got a 14-foot bed on it now. And somehow I got from that on to another Instagram page, um, a guy who has a Toyota Tundra with an even longer bed. I can't remember the measurement on it, but it's like I even think, longer. I think it was just under 16 foot. Yeah. I remember thinking if he had put another six inches onto that, he could have got two eight before sheets into that. <laughs> it's the builder in me. And then I got onto a Facebook group called... Uh, like Photoshop, but with welding. So if anybody <laughs> likes it looking at really weird engineering things like I do, but not videos, um, I urge you to check it out. For example, a lifted Toyota Supra with like big knobbly tires and a Cummins engine in it. That's right. I yeah. quite enjoyed that. Or ridiculous pickups and it's like a Hot Wheels, Hot Wheels design. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So yeah, if you if you're like me and you don't like videos, I I urge you to check that one out instead. Yeah, it's it's so funny. Um, just on the topic of the jeeps and stuff, there uh, must be a good seven or eight years ago. There was a video that went viral, and it was actually local guys, and it was a Defender ninety with a tow rope on it, towed up to a Cummings. That's right, yeah. Or a, what jeep was it? Oh, was it a a Ram? Ram. Um, and they done a burnout. Uh, they released this week a modified version, an updated version. Sorry, and it was the new Defender. Against the and the how ramp. did it, how did it go? Um, I can't even remember how it went. I hope it went bad. Stupid new defenders. <laughs> I think I think the Dodge Ram. I think he put it in four wheel drive this time or something. I forget. It was it was actually Ricky was telling me about. It. I actually haven't seen it yet. I must try and find that. Yeah. I? So just if anybody wants to check that out, I think it's that's a follow up to a previous one. Yeah, yeah. What about news then? What's happened with that? Okay, sort of event news as such. Before we go into general news, then um, last week uh, GTNA we decided to go ahead with a show. Titanic dubs? Yeah. Um, One so, I didn't think was going to happen. Yeah, well, here. It hasn't happened yet. Uh, scheduled for the 19th of September. We've done all we can to comply with regulations. And the venue organizer seems to be happy. Police should be happy. This episode will go out on Wednesday, hopefully. Hopefully so. So, uh, hopefully I uh, don't need these words. Yeah, and, if you uh, don't hear back from us, we've probably been arrested. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be a new TV live. So it'll be on Saturday, the 19th of September, down at Thompson's Dry Dock. We would like you to come along and socially distance and uh, 
that's open to all German model all cars German, as well. Yep, all German models. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can have some sort of show this year at least. Yep, should be fun. Yep. Um, another event, when we were recording the last episode, shortly after, myself and Robin from Studio 10, we've done a recce run for our next driven run. Um, it's going to be a North Coast run. It is going to be a native click sergeant and full details uh, will be on the website probably at the end of this week. It's going out Wednesday. Yeah, should be out the weekend of the 19th to 20th. Um, we should have a link up. It'll be a ticket event because the whole thing between Just Given and the website, no, we're going to try and simplify it so it's a bit easier just to sort of make it easier. Make it easier. Yeah. To sort of cross check things. Um, and we're going to have a raffle as usual, hopefully, as well. And uh, yeah. Should be good. That'll what you're saying is that'll eliminate anybody giving money for the run and not putting their name onto it. That is probably correct. Yeah, because <laughs> that definitely didn't happen. No, definitely not. <laughs> no. So we'll move on to general news then. Yeah, do you want to start? Um, I just wanted to mention one quickly that uh, it'll be old news by the time this comes out because there's actually another Grand Prix I believe happening today. Yeah, being Sunday. So, but last weekend, um, a young Frenchman called Pierre Gasly managed to come first in the Grand Prix which is like basically I think unheard of that, that anyone other than Lewis Hamilton wins I, uh, ever minute, yeah. really yeah, so, the, the guy with the best car doesn't win it's a big surprise yeah pretty yeah. much it's one of the reasons that I really don't like Formula 1 because I find it boring I find it the car that goes out first barring <laughs> catastrophic engine failure is the car that wins and it's you know I've always found it kind of dull it's too controlled I find it absolutely ridiculous to call it a competition when you can watch Lewis Hamilton lapping cars like they've got half the engine he has yeah, yeah. what what is that all about like that's not just down to driver skill it can't no. be so yeah I, I, as I say I've never really been into Formula 1 and then we watched that Netflix Drive to Survive series oh, so yeah. and it was actually really good and really interesting and I was like wow I might actually start yeah. watching Formula Have 1 now because the first season or you I watched the them both both now. and uh, so that was how I knew about this Pierre Gasly guy so he had been demoted he was in the main Red Bull team yes and then dropped and back so he got promoted up to Red Bull and then demoted back down to Toro Rosso um I think the race last weekend, I think, was a bit of a shit show because I think there was yeah, crashes and chaos. Charles Leclerc crashed and Haas car broke down and then Lewis Hamilton ended up getting a penalty for going into the pit lane at the wrong time. Or I don't really understand all the rules. But uh, yeah, this young fella then managed to win. So I was like, yay, go on, you little French fucker. <laughs> <you."> <laughs> Is he good looking? He's just cute. He's just cute. a wee small young fella. Like he's twenty four. He like doesn't him. even look twenty four. <laughs> he's just sixteen. So I, I didn't even watch the race, but when I saw it on Facebook afterwards, I was like, "Yes, go on, son." Can you, can you imagine being twenty four though at that age and doing that? It's just incredible. I think um, Vettel's the only one that's ever done it for Toro Rosso um, before, and I think it was two thousand eight. They're not called Toro Rosso anymore, are they? No, Alpha Tori or Alpha something. Alpha Tori, I something like that. Um, but yeah, it's basically the Red Bull second string. Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> yeah. he he rang him after the race and congratulated him and, and said, "You and I are the only two that have ever finished a race or won a race for this team." So it was pretty cool. It fairly lit up the social media after it happened. There yeah, there was a lot of talk about the it. To be were, honest, the I, memes were flying and Ferrari <laughs> was getting torched. I'm sorry I didn't watch it because it actually sounds like an interesting race for a change. <laughs> no, but as you say, that drive to survive. I think I mentioned it a while back in previous episodes. 
The Drive to Survive. If you have a faint interest in Formula One, watch it. It is compelling view. Yeah, it was really, really good. Well, I, I would have said, Lee and I both hate Formula One, and yeah. we watched it, and we're like, this is unbelievable. Well, after you watch it, now, the first season is basically the lower down teams, and then the second season, they move into bigger teams. That's yeah. I liked it, but I think that's why I liked it at the start, was because it was the kind of underdog team. Especially if you've sort of fell away from Formula One, and you don't know the... The names anymore. Mm. Yeah. Watch that series. You shouldn't get up to speed rather quickly. Yeah, like we wouldn't have known any of the names really, yeah. and you would like we talk about it still, and you're like, yeah, you knew every name in it. Mm. Like who was the German boss? What team was that? He was it Gunther uh, for Haas? Oh, he's brilliant. Yeah. Oh, he I is like brilliant. Him. The reaction. We look like fucking wankers. <laughs> 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 That's so good. Um, my first use then. You know how everyone wants you. You go for a job. Well, Nigel, maybe not you. You have a lot of experience in jobs over the years. Right. Young people like Lee and ourselves are. You go for jobs or you're maybe out of university and suddenly they want five years experience, but they want to graduate. And you're like, well, how does this work out? A local fella's give his young fella a head start, 10-year-old, driving a lorry on the M1. <laughs> oh <my laughs> I've seen this. And I was just like, so not only was he stupid enough to let a 10-year-old drive a lorry on the M1, he was stupid enough to put it on Snapchat and then it done the rounds and it go out everywhere. And the police put out looking for him, obviously, and anyone to identify this child. And then now they've caught up with him. So oddly, he's been arrested and released on bail, but oddly, he's also been charged with cruelty to children. Yep. I don't understand that bit. I would say that'll be dropped. Okay. They're probably just trying to make it worse than it is. Yeah. But to be fair, it's pretty bad. <laughs> there was actually a, somebody shared a picture of um, some truck run. And the same child was sitting on top of the roof of the lorry. Really? Out in the road. Well, mm. not sitting on top of the roof, but sort of through the sunroof. Aye, aye, like standing up Basically through. fully out of the sunroof mm. with the hands there, driving down the road. Nice. Aye. Um, so I think he's a real special fellow. I'll tell you what, see if it's not his own truck, he will struggle to drive for anyone again. Yeah. You're lucky he's not jailed, to be fair. There's people looking his head at the minute. Mm. But no, I thought it was a strange one. I remember seeing it and thinking, what in the name of Christ is going on there? It actually, there's a statement there that says a 37-year-old man has been arrested, then released on bail after a video appeared, appearing to show a boy driving a lorry on a motorway in Northern Ireland. So I seen that. I was just like, what is the world coming to? Between our good mate Mo smuggling people and this here, lorry drivers are getting a, po- a tough ride this past year or so. I just can't wait to wind up Stefan and be like, it's not that hard to drive a lorry. Look, that fucking kid can do it. Ah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have friends there and they're, they're lorry drivers and they give off about how hard it is. Yeah, Quattro Rick, one of our listeners. <laughs> he loves us. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's sitting there with lorry drivers should be respected. I'm like, hold on, this 10-year-old can do it. <laughs> Shout out to Rick. Yeah. What about yourself, Nigel Yelling, for news? Yeah, so I have a couple of stories. Uh, the first one was this week. The, there was a fella got convicted of stripping a car in a Volkswagen dealership in Swindon. It was actually a TCR he was stripping bits off. So this was like a customer's car or a Volkswagen's uh, own car? In the showroom or in the forecourt. Um, so I'll just read out the, the news article. A car thief has been jailed for 20 months for his part in a raid on an in-chap car dealership in which £21,000 of parts were stripped from a rare Golf GTI. Oh, sorry, it was a club sport, not a TCR. Um, he got jailed for his part in the crime. Police tracked him down using fingerprints and blood from a cut from one of his left, ha- left hands at the scene. Safety first. Yeah. He, he got, wasn't wearing he his gloves, obviously. Fool. He got jailed for 10, for 20 months. He is his previous, for sure. Ah, oh, yeah. He got 20 that. months. He must have been a bit notorious. But I'm sure at the same time then he wasn't also raiding a Volkswagen dealership to steal parts off a club's board for his oh, first ever attempt. Here's why he got it. 
Zamir, who was jailed as part of a gang at Stripped Outies of £200,000 worth of parts and is currently serving more than five years from conspiracy to handle stolen... So it's basically his crimes catching up with him. Ah, fair enough. So Actor. slap it up him. It'll be grand. Yeah. Um, quickly, a second story then is my brother actually sent me this story. Um, so shout out to Mark. He actually listens to me sometimes. The <laughs> government in the UK are rolling out a trial... Uh, 60 mile hour limit on five seconds of the motorway in England, M6, M1, M5 and M602, uh, four seconds of the motorway, sorry, uh, five mile stretches. This is in October. It's in a plan to um, reduce pollution because it's 60 mile an hour, your car is more efficient, reduces carbon or nitrogen oxide pollution. Um, just a bit from the clip here, the Department of Transport said the trial was among a number of measures to improve air quality as part of the plan to bring down nitrogen oxide levels. The government aims to end the sale of all new conventional petrol and diesel cars and vans before 2040. It has been consulting on bringing this forward to 2035 or earlier if a faster transition appears feasible, as well as looking at including hybrids for the first time. The consultation's outcome will be announced at a later date. Next time we're on any of those roads going to a show, I'm just going to drop her into fourth and drive at <laughs> 60 mile an hour and double the pollution. Yeah. Might even bad TDI. The Department of Transport can suck a dick. Yep, exactly. As far as I'm concerned. And I bet you, what do you see? Once every car on the road's electric, I bet you they don't put the limit back up. No. It's fuck all to do with pollution. No. Yeah. No, it's it's wild. Like, that's... 60 mile an hour, like... 60 mile an hour on a motorway is ridiculous. Yeah. I honestly it's think It's just stupid. On. Like you go, there's a Saxon motorway there you're well used to, Lee. It's from Dundalk down to Dublin. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you say? 90 mile an hour? Ish. Ish. So, Officer. Like Seven, you, 70 plus mile. If you were to sit at 60 mile an hour, that's a long trip. Yeah, absolutely. No, I don't I don't get it. Like, it's definitely an odd one. Like, Hitler got a lot of things wrong, but the Autobahn, he got it right. He did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, there's one of the you things. You can quote that. <laughs> What are Germany doing with the autobahn? I know they're restricting certain sections of it, but yeah. it's not all restricted, and they're not restricting it to sixty mile an hour. And Germany's in the same boat with us with pollution, and, and they're heavily into that kind they're, of thing. They're heavily into the Green Green Party, I think. Ruling party are not far off it. Ugh, the thought of it. Yeah, well, Green Party's a big, big thing there. Can't at, do that. At least it's not the Nazi Party. Be thankful for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, second worst party in Germany's history, the Green Party. <laughs> they have a while to go yet. Yeah, that's my news anyway. Um, my second one then, The Fast and the Furious. I honestly don't think I could hate this series anymore. Um, it's, just, it's a bad sign when I'm liking Formula One and hating The Fast and the Furious. It's just pure horseshit. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And Michelle yeah, Rodriguez. It's, 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 well, Andy Cooper, he's he, he's a fan of it. He says it's a disconnect for two hours, I suppose. It is, yeah. But I mean, my God, it's getting worse. And <laughs> we always joked about the next thing they're going to do is go into space. And Michelle Rodriguez has actually confirmed it in a radio show in America this week. They're going into the space. They're going into space. It's like... Mustang spaceship. I don't know. It's getting bad. Like, so F9, um, which should be called FU, is going into space. And I reckon Hector's upgraded the three Honda Civics with spoon engines to three Falcon 1 rockets with T-66 turbos. And he's bought nitrous from Harry's. <laughs> Harry is also now a supplier for Tesla's SpaceX program. So if you need any SpaceX parts, <laughs> there you go. Hit them up. <laughs> What, where are they going with this series? Like, Fast 9, it it should have stopped they're, at 3. They're appealing to Morons. a young male Sorry, demographic. Andy. Yeah. It's um, it's got to the point now where it's not about cars, but it hasn't been for years, really. Cars is a 
sort of an afterthought yeah in it and probably for product product placement for chevy especially but like once you go into space where are you going then all i know is time travel if the tagline here for the time away the next plot (laughs) (laughs) the land before time (laughs) dinosaurs uh if the tagline for the 10th one isn't fast 10 your seatbelts, then they have missed an absolutely <laughs> golden opportunity. You, we need to delete that. We're out of that. You need to contact them and sell them that. I've got a great title for you. It'll cost you a million dollars. Oh, dear. I, I just don't get it. Fast and Furious does Jurassic Park. Thoughts, yeah, that's what it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> oh, damn it. So what are you, Lee? What have you got? Uh, the only other thing I was reading this week was about uh, the Suzuki Jimny, believe it or not. Oh, exciting news. It's kind of a departure for, for me. Um, basically, they had discontinued the Jimny because it's a small little kind of 4 by 4 thing that's extremely inefficient, basically, I think was kind of the thing. Yeah, they're a 1500 naturally aspirated petrol and yeah. it pumps out more pollution than an M340i. Jeepers. Yeah. yeah. So um, I think they were kind of like, right, let's scrap this thing. But actually, now they've discovered a loophole whereby they can bring it back. And basically, they've removed the rear seats. So it's properly a commercial vehicle then. And uh, now they're able to sell it again. <laughs> yeah. So the, the EU's. <laughs> That's blue sky thinking right there. Yep. Yeah. The EU's fleet average is like higher for your commercial vehicles than is for your domestic type vehicles. So they just took his back seats out. It's suddenly a commercial. It's the exact, like it's identical. They haven't changed anything other than, you Take know. Take seats out. Yeah. And to be honest, for anybody who's ever sat in one, the seats are useless anyway. You can't, unless you have no legs, they're, you know, you're not going to do much with them. So they're I good. think it's like 95, is it grams per kilometer or something? Oh, for CO2, yeah. Of CO2 for regular cars. And they have to average that across their whole fleet. But for commercials, it's 147. So, so they're getting away with it that way. They can bring, they can still keep it, but they're allowed a higher threshold of what they can pump out. I love a good loophole. Yeah, me there too. There must have been a good team of lawyers there. I'm yeah. Good. I like that. I respect Fair that. I respect that. I'm surprised they're still building it, to be honest with you. I it, like the chimneys. I think yeah. they're cool. But are they, what, what are people doing with them? You know. They're just little farm trucks and stuff, I think. Ah, they're strange. <laughs> There's no Defender 90 anymore, so, you know. Good. <laughs> I hate those things. Uh, lastly, for me then, uh, Lucid Motors, if anybody's heard of them. Lucid. They've released now Lucid Air, so a bit of background on them. Finally available competitor to Tesla, we reckon. So the team is built up heavily of a lot of ex-automotive um, engineers. Specifically, they have an ex-Tesla vice president of engineering, and they have an ex-head of design from Mazda. So I think a lot of the struggles with Tesla was their body designs and their like fit and finishing cars were horrendous. So yeah. if you have a lot of ex-automotive type guys, this is going to be a lot better. Um, uh, uh, sorry, that's one ahead. thing I never understood. I suppose it's market, pricing, it's market pricing and all the rest of it, but why did Tesla not offer a luxury finish version? I don't think they cared. I think Elon was just hyped up Here on go. here's technology and look what we can do. And people bought into the brand. People weren't buying cars. People were buying Tesla. Yeah, it's like an Apple phone. Yeah, that's it. Doesn't matter what it's. You buy into this cult of yeah. Tesla and that's it. It started out in the early days developing battery technology and not actually working on cars. So they kind of nailed it. And then in 2016, they released a prototype for the first car they had, which was the Lucid Air, which is this. Um, production vehicle was released this month. It's actually listed as having a thousand horsepower. 
and Holy smokes. this isn't the top model. There's going to be more after that. Um, it's autonomous ready. It's a four door saloon car, and the software a thousand brake. Yeah, saloon car. But it gets better, right? It's software limited to two hundred and seventeen mile an hour, and in two thousand seventeen, the a delimited version hit two thirty five on a track on a four door saloon car. So it's like it is impressive. But the best bit about this is a thousand horsepower or not. It is an industry leading range. So the big killer for everybody seems to be the range on electric cars. Tesla's top range, I think, is 400 miles roughly in the Model S. This thing is 517. And it's been, that's what they quoted from themselves. And it's been independently tested and verified at that as well. So this thing is beating Tesla's range. I wonder if it's repeat performance because that's the problem for overheating yeah whereas porsche have nailed that yeah it's just repeat launch tesla can't yeah um from him being from tesla originally you wonder if they've carried that out maybe they're seeing the flaws and then rectifying them using a 350 kilowatt charger and you can actually add 300 miles of range in 20 minutes so that's that this is where you're going with electric and this is what's going to make it more accessible for people the reason the battery technology is so good is Lucid have designed, developed, manufactured, and supplied all the battery packs for every team in Formula E. So that's you know, their development has went into this. And as much as I hate electric stuff, it's cool to see back like back in the day with internal combustion stuff that motorsport technology is dropping back down into road cars. You know, so they're taking the technology and what they're learning from Formula E and putting it into the road cars. The only, As has been with motorsport for years. Yeah. That is the development of your models. So they're obviously still doing it, which yeah. is good. The real kicker is, though, the cost. Um, Here we go. UK <laughs> price, these things are going to start at 135 grand. Where the, <laughs> likes, the likes of that Model S we were talking about, the, the 400 mile range, is starting in around 80. So they're still dear, but they're you know, not really accessible for a lot of people still. That's just madness. A thousand brake family saloon. Yeah, can you imagine that? I think the biggest struggle there will be getting tires that'll transfer Last. the grip. Yeah, between that and the the weight of that vehicle as well, dozing the tires of it, it's going to be uh, a hard time for them. I'm sure the tire manufacturers are struggling to keep up with stuff like that oh, too. absolutely. So that's me for news. You guys all out? Mm-hmm. Yep, done. Excellent. I'd like to take a second to talk about our sponsor, Reload Global. Reload Global are an enthusiast-owned company providing you with not only premium automotive apparel, but accessories such as garage manners, posters, stickers and air fresheners. They're Northern Ireland based and are an official stockets for 8380 Labs in the UK and Europe. They help us make all this happen, so check them out at reload.global. We'll move on then um, to the main topic of the day, which Connor is going to uh, to tell us all about. Yeah, so we have a bit of a history episode on one of the most famous seating manufacturers in the automotive industry. So you're going to have... Get educated, and you're going to have a good laugh at me trying to pronounce a lot of names here because most of them are this. German. Our pronunciation's notorious. No, they, they make the show. I think. Yes, yeah, absolutely. definitely. <laughs> so hopefully, you enjoy it. So today we're going to dive into the history and one of the most famous automotive seat brands in the world. To do so, we need to go way back to 1906, when 32-year-old Wilhelm Ruder founded his company Stuttgart Carrosserie and Red Fabric. There's the start of it already. Rather fittingly, Wilhelm was a saddle master by trade, but he started his company as a coach-building business, which was becoming very popular at the time. In the early days of motoring, rather than calling your local dealership to buy a car, you bought a motor vehicle as a rolling chassis and employed a coach-builder to build a bespoke body for it. 
The desire to incorporate aluminium into his vehicles and reduce the weight and a patent for, and I quote, a folding roof canopy, especially for motor vehicles, which was the forerunner to the convertible car, meant that they made a name for themselves very quickly in the up-and-coming industry. Wilhelm's hopes and dreams for the business had come true, and this great name they'd acquired within the industry, seen them build bodies and tiers for big names all across, including companies like Daimler-Benz, BMW and Opel. In fact, their name had become so prolific that Cadillac and Nash crossed the Atlantic to commission them to build bodies for their luxury cars. Around 1919, the industry began moving slowly away from one-off bodies from motor vehicles to more mass-produced bodies than we'd be familiar with today. With this change in the business, SCR shifted the main focus towards interior work and reserved custom-built bodies for concepts and orders from low-volume manufacturers. Come the early 30s, Ferdinand Porsche was teamed up with motorcycle manufacturer Zundap to create the concept of the people's car, the Volkswagen. SCR was commissioned to build the wooden frames for the prototypes and then the first 40 steel bodies for the pre-production type 1s. This was all done in secret. Included in the first 40 development cars were both hardtop and convertible versions which were on show for the opening of the new Volkswagen assembly plant in 1938 in Fallersleben, which is now part of Wolfsburg, which is actually a a better name because I can pronounce that one because I know it. <laughs> one of the prototypes even went on to appear in the 1939 Berlin Motor Show. At this time, World War II was kicking off. Wilhelm passed away and his brother, who was helping him run the business, was caught up in a bombing raid, which destroyed the factory, head of operations, and killed him outright. The company continued to operate after the loss of the two brothers, but dropped from 900 employees to just 94 after the war. During this time, to stay afloat, they built postal trucks, buses, and did repair works to general cars. After the war, the company was under the control of the Ritter heirs, and in late 1949, Porsche approached them to build the bodies and chassis for their latest project, labelled the 356. Porsche's original plan was to contract SCR to build 500 cars, including the interiors, with the first being delivered amazingly in April 1950, just months later. The initial plan for 500 vehicles was blown out of the water by demand for the lightweight sports cars, between then and 1963, SCR pumped out an excess of 78,356s. The demand helped for growing the company's workforce. 78,356s? Yeah, I wouldn't have thought there was that many of them, considering they're such a prolific car. They, they produced them all, yeah. Um, with the partnership going so well, Porsche decided to up the stakes and approached SCR about producing both a coupe and a cabrio version of the new car body, which was to succeed the 356. The project started out named internally as the T8 and eventually merged as the Type 901. After some legal complications with the French and other French car makers, the 901 was renamed and thus the legendary 911 or 911 as we know it was born and lives on almost 60 years later. But we're not here to talk about the 911. Despite... Why not? Why? <laughs> well, I hate 911s, as you know. <laughs> well, that's not true, but I'm not a fan. Um, despite rambling on about coach building during Porsche's early days, this is where we actually learn who we're talking about. So during 1963, business was booming for Porsche, and after a long and close working relationship with Stuttgarter Carrosserie and Rundfabrik, Porsche bought out the body built inside of the business, along with most of the staff, the factory and the equipment. What remained of the original business was the seating side of things, and it was decided a rebrand was needed. So to do so, the RE, or RE, from the Ruder name, and the Caro from the beginning of Carrosserie were used and of course gave birth to the legendary Recaro brand that we know. Having previously filed patents for sliding seat rails and adjustment mechanisms, 
The plan for the newly branded Recaro company was to continue on building seats for OEM manufacturers playing to previous strengths, but on top of building seats for OEMs, they would produce a world first, the aftermarket sports seat. As we'll learn, this wouldn't be Recaro's only world first. Having worked so closely with Porsche, it was only natural they would become Recaro's first and biggest customer, a deal that would last for many years. In fact, Recaro were Porsche's only seat manufacturer for their sports cars from then until 1997, so run of almost 35 years. Not bad. Nope, some going in industry. So, Recaro sports seats featured in the early 911s and are a totally iconic design, bridging both form and function. And if you've ever seen those in the early 911s, they're, they're Tim- absolutely beautiful. Tombstones? No, um, they're more like a sort of half bucket. Um, they're these would be like the very first of the nine elevens had them, right? Like a Recaro, the they are a Fulton seat as well. They're not a fixed seat, right? Um, what set Recaro apart from the other manufacturers was using advanced materials such as foam roll and horsehair for padding, and the addition of bigger bolsters for supporting the driver. This was something preserved previously for race cars only. Hitting money problems in 1969, the Raiderers sold off their shares from Recaro to a conglomerate. The business concept took off and the idea of a purpose-developed sports seat for cars which was designed to be lightweight, safe and comfortable was obviously something consumers very, felt very strongly about. The first seat to appear in the aftermarket lineup was the Ren seat. And while it looks a tad amateurish today, by today's standards you can see the basic DNA which is carried through to Recaro design. These were hit in the aftermarket in the late 60s, and by 1974 been, had progressed so much that it went from fiberglass to full Kevlar shells, which were not only lighter, but much, much stronger. Come 1971, Recaro set another world first by producing a seat with a built-in seatbelt. Recaro continued to innovate and develop new products as time passed, with a major focus on driver control. The idea was not just to hold drivers in a fast car, but to support them in the proper places to give them better control and therefore make the car even faster. You recognize the phrase form follows function. Well, Recaro went for form follows human. When you're driving a car, you're actually driving from your hips, believe it or not. Whereas you're driving a lorry or a tractor, you'd be driving from your shoulders. Realizations like this allowed Recaro to continue to lead the way in design and technology and seating. Following on from the sports sits, used in the 911 was the Recaro LS from 1983 and the Recaro A8 from 1989. And I love the A8s. You're not a fan, Lee. No, I'm afraid not. They're making stupid money now. They're crazy money. I think they're two and a half grand for a pair now. Oh, uh, for a roughish pair? Is that right? They're way up again. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like, I, I would love a set, but I'll never own them. Like, um, They're that, a very clunky set of seats, aren't they? They're massive. Yes, they're. I think they're a design that were well ahead of their time. You know, I reading there saying that they were 1989, I wouldn't have thought they were made that far back. What were they fitted in that era? I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. But to see what they were in. Yeah, I'm sure they come out of some money, like OEM type stuff. On the flip side of the racing seats, Recaro put their money where their mouths were regarding comfort, and in 1984 launched the first seats focused purely on total comfort tailored to the individual. Within this range, Recaro CSE, Recaro T line, which was oddly aimed specifically at taxi drivers, the very made with individual bolster adjustment, and the orthopod. These seats are electrically adjustable to suit the needs of the users and even offer memory functions with something that's fairly common today, but not 35 years ago. Are they the weird Michelin man looking ones that I don't like? Yes, what most people would call the orthopedics. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness, they are ugly. They all kind of get I bet lumped. you they're really comfortable, but... I love the look of them. Oh no. They kind of all get lumped into the same name, but there mm. are all different names for them. So, over the years, Recaro led the way, keeping ahead of their competitors with feats such as releasing the first race shell seat with head protection in 1986 
and the lightest serialized seat in the world with a carbon fiber shell used in the Porsche Carrera GT in 2004. While the company was bought and sold over the years, they branched out into commercial seating for aerospace, seats for football teams and stadiums around the world, and they even got into child seats. So while mummy and daddy were nestled up front in their Recaros, little junior could be in the back doing the same. I like the Recaro baby seats. They're cool. I used to sell them and they had a really bad name. Yeah. But they look cool. Yeah, exactly. There, there's a lot better seats out there for yeah, kids. If you're, but if you're not too worried about your child's safety, but you want them to look cool. Yep. Recaro. Yeah. It has to look good. <laughs> So that is a far cry from the seats I used to travel about as a kid. My dad had a van that he had two Mazda 323 seats screwed to a wooden board. And he used to lump them into the back of the van and we'd travel around the world in that. I used to lay on the back parcel shelf of a Mark II RS2000. Oh, I. Here, we're still here. It's good. All this technology for nothing. So I've said before, as much as I hate football... It's hard not to be curious when you see a brand like Recaro, who should be as far removed from a game of football as I am myself, appearing under the asses of footballers, not only in their cars, but on the sidelines of the game. Recaro claimed that using their seats, which combine, uh, and I quote, comfortable seating position, ergonomic design, and heating elements, mean that a substitute player is ready to perform for the best of their abilities as soon as they leave the bench. But you have to wonder how such a huge contract with big money companies comes about. In this case, it was just partially by chance. So here we go again with the names. Rewinding way back to 1994, we find ourselves in the Fritz Walter Stadium where Kelly Fieldcamp, head coach of the German team Kaiser Lutheran. Do you know that one? Kaiser Lutheran. Oh, there we go. Say it for the people. Kaiser Lutheran. There. Was having problems with his back pain. The then owner of Recaro, Ulrich Pitts, was on the board of the team and heard about his problems. Rather than having sitting on the usual seats along the sidelines, normally reserved for back of house staff, he had a Recaro seat modified to sit on the sidelines, which was more dealing was more fitting to deal with his comfort issues. Class. Having seen this, the players then inquired about somewhere for themselves, and after positive feedback, Ulrich commissioned more of the seats we made. Before long, the rest of the team were sitting pretty in bespoke Recaro seats, trimmed in the club's red colour with the logo embroidered on it. Of course, then when other teams began to see this and word spread how the club were sitting, Recaro had numerous requests to do the same for other clubs. And as of today, supply over 150 of the biggest clubs around the world. Yeah, watching football matches myself, it just seemed to be one season there was normal seats, and then it was just this wave. Oh, everybody's got bucket seats. Now. Yeah, that's, and I don't like football, but it, you see it on TV now and again, and I always sort of wondered why? Why do they have Recaro seats? I always wondered. I wonder would the spare a few for me? <laughs> you can't actually buy them. You uh, can't. No. Recaro won't sell you. So if you were, say, a football like yourself and wanted one of those seats trimmed and that, they won't do it. The that's exclusively for the club. Must be a contract disclosure. Yeah, it's a strange one. So no, they'll they'll not sell you it. But they'd always they, steal they, one. They'd make a fortune if they did, though. I imagine so. Yeah. Oh, for goodness' sake. No, definitely. Because there's going to be a lot of people out there. It will even non-car enthusiasts would see that and go, "Oh, that's what they're sitting on. I would love that for my house." Nothing sitting. Gamers. Not gamers as well. Or a Recaro gaming seat? Yeah. Uh, you have? No, no. Oh, yeah. I, but yeah, same, same sort of setup. Um, I wouldn't know how to play a game. No, I'm a bit I got myself. PlayStation years, Connor, move on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Recaro have not only made a name for themselves in football stadiums, their seats are going in popularity in stadiums and arenas and other sports. For example, baseball, one of the most popular sports in Japan, which shocked me. Um, since 2016, you can find Recaro seats in the SoftBank Hawks Dome, the team ordered 80 Recaro LXFs, which are only available in Japan, 
and 80 sounds like an awful lot but they've actually got seats for the teams for the management and you can pay to sit in the seats and watch the game from the Recaros, which is pretty cool Recaro also pushed their way into the sidelines of other sports too for example the brand supplies seats to French rugby teams and in other countries the brand's presence in carton, handball, basketball, dodgeball and tennis. So in conclusion, starting off with Porsche as their first OEM manufacturer almost 60 years later, Recaro seats have been used by countless others including and not limited to Audi, Aston Martin, BMW, Cadillac, Chevy, Ferrari, Isuzu, Lamborghini, Opel, Seat, Skoda, Suzuki, Vauxhall and Volkswagen. And I think it's rather fitting that the saddle master, the creator of essentially the seat of the horse, started the biggest company involved with seats for cars, which is, of course, the modern-day horse. Yeah, Ricardo get my vote every time. Yeah, they do some incredible stuff. How many cars have I got Ricardo seats on? Well, Edition 1 has limited edition Ricardo's, the Carlos has limited edition Ricardo's. Yeah. Edition 30 was run Ricardo pole positions, which were the most comfortable bucket seats I've ever sat in. Which, I Fixed mean, seats. Your, your new seat? Which you said about there, mm-hmm. as good as it is, I bet you don't think it's as good as no. a Recaro. Yeah. As soon as I sat on it, I just went, that's what you pay the money for a Recaro for. Yeah. I've Recaro's that, that, in the that Mark III. there. It's Corbeau. It's built that cost. Yeah. Where Recaro, we're focusing on the actual performance Function. of it yeah. and then worry about the cost. I've Recaro's in the Mark Three. They're color concept ones that I had trimmed. And I remember putting them in and the comfort difference in them, seeing long journeys. They're great. Yeah. That was compared to the standard GTI seats. I think I've a mistake Volkswagen made in the Mark IV R32s putting Koenigs in instead of Recaro's. Yeah, I don't like those seats. Koenig must have given them free seats or something to do that. or something. I had to get get their brand in. They're, they're a bit garish for Volkswagen, the Koenigs. And I had a silver one for a year and long journeys, they were brutal. Well, see, I don't mind the look of them, but I think they're uncomfortable. Have you sat in them, Lee? The yeah. Mark IV, yeah. Yeah, I don't Well, I haven't sat in them for a long period of time, I suppose, but... I don't like I don't like the look of them at all. I find there wasn't very much Bolster side support. support on them. Yeah. Um, and you all know my love for Mark IV R32, but if I did have one, the first thing I'd be doing would be ripping those bad boys out and throwing them <laughs> in the fire. Stick them on eBay first. Oh, uh, yeah. pay for firewood. Oh, they're ridiculous <laughs> money. Really? Yeah. Why? People go mad for them. So, no, I think, I'm trying to think what other Recaros I have. I had a Recaro in the rally car as well years ago when I was a kid. Um, with a Cobra for the passenger seat which we burnt recently that was why it was in my head about throwing it in the fire <laughs> yeah you want to see like the cobra passenger seat that we burnt when it was left was literally just like a wire frame oh, and it's mostly plywood and you're like yeah you can see why as you say Ricaro were a lot more money the the comfort levels in them are ridiculous though volkswagen then went back to Ricaro's for the r32 mark 5 didn't they i think so yeah yeah and probably continued on there since been surprised a few times when I've bought different seats and you don't think it's Recaro. Like, I, what seats was it I pulled out of a car one time? I think it was a van, the Caddy VR6 van I had. And there were Vauxhall VXR seats or something. Recaro's. Recaro's as well, yeah. yeah. Um, Even the likes of the Suzuki Ignis, or, or was it the Wagon R, had Recaro's as well with the net headrests and stuff in yeah. them. I remember Stefan pulling the set out and I think he sold the headrest separate and then sold the seats separate as well. <laughs> but now they're such a good seat and the comfort like if you go from a standard seat or another brand into a car you can notice the difference especially on the longer journeys yep thanks very much for that Connor. it was very interesting though. excellent thank you you learn something new every day or every two weeks as every this two podcast weeks really, yeah. <laughs> so will we move on to our questions then yeah let's do it let's see what those scallywags have asked us this week what way do you put the questions then 
you sort of went any questions or uh, nudes or something you said? questions nudes whatever you want to send we well, actually did we we got one nudes we got a send well we got a <laughs> picture of dennis laying up on what i thought was a pipe turning very homoerotic it was and young jack in america mm-hmm. sent us one of him in i think it was a jacuzzi maybe he was in the bath and farting and uh from h2o a number of years back which greatly amused me this morning when i woke up dennis's one was like paint me like one of your french girls (laughs) french canadian girls (laughs) yeah (laughs) so in response to that question ronan underscore age 21 carefully asking for dudes on a saturday night while drinking question mark yeah saturday is probably a bad night to suggest putting up nudes because you're going to get them uh quarter underscore rick he said could have used any sport could have used a pick of any sport quadro and you use boring white. Ah, oh, white's the, what's, white's the very, color. Very picky, isn't it? It's also the one that was in my phone from when we were at uh, Alpine Bagfair. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, quadro Rick then goes on to ask, if you could only have one color or shade on your car, on any car for the rest of your life, what would it be? Straight away, green. I want to say black. I knew you were going to say that. Because I like black interiors and black leather and black. Most of the clothes that I own are black, but uh, for e- exterior paint, I wouldn't go black. It would be mental torture. I had a Mark V for three years and black paint yeah. just neighbor. I couldn't. Although I love it. it and I love the look of it, I'm not good at keeping them, unfortunately. So no. I'm going to have to say grey. It's always going to be grey. Go grey. Grey. Hmm. I'm a big fan of a white car. I do like white too. Yeah. Yeah. White interior though. Mm-mm. Is it not just exterior? No, it's just. Uh, oh, is it exterior? Yeah, 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 I thought sorry. it was any. Oh, like the whole car. If you go, if you could only have one color or shade on any car for the rest of your life. Oh, that's easy then. Gray. To be fair, I'd still trim the interior green. It wouldn't annoy me. <laughs> I love green on cars. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd go for white then. So excellent. Black, white, green. Yep. Yep. Cool. Um, Ro Patrick stat asked, "Do you say for fuck's sake out loud or in your head when you forget your mask?" Or sometimes just dander on, like, I'm all right. Out loud, always. I say a lot of things out loud. I, I genuinely do talk to myself or, like, talk out loud to to think things over in my head. And then people be looking at me like she's just yarning away to herself there. <laughs> like, <I'm, laughs> if, I'm, if I'm in the kitchen and Lee's in the living room, I can hear her talking to herself. If I have a mask, like, the day I had to go into the shop and I took the mask out of my car. So I just pulled my jumper up over my mouth and tanned her in. Aye. You're going to rob <laughs> yeah, the place. Stefan has like a wee snood thing hear, that you just pull up. Like that's, a, that's what I use now. Yeah. I bought a couple more of them because see the mask thing, that doesn't tits in. So now if you have it around the snood thing around, you just, yeah. it's yeah. no big hassle. No, I have a plastic. It's like a grinding visor, like a plastic. Oh, you think she's going to cut bones like for surgery? But it's because if I wear a fabric mask, my glasses steam up and oh, it's I, really annoying. Yeah. So I just wear the plastic thing. Aye, we can all look like... Uh, Either train robbers or nine, or what two thousand and nine emos with their bandanas pulled up over her face. <laughs> Shout out to Bran O'Neill. <laughs> the side swept hair over one eye. I wish I'd heard of mascara. <laughs> mascara. <laughs> um, Dennis FF Metalworks nudes. You got it. Hence what we we're talking about earlier. <laughs> yep. Cheers, Dennis. Don't have nightmares. <laughs> uh, Chris McSee two one two. What's the best build you have seen in the flesh? Uh, he says that it's Big Ron's Mark 1 or Tank's Mark 4 for me. I think that was the year Chris came over to Edition 38. That must be 10 years ago. We all went over in this massive convoy together. I think that was the year that was there. Yeah, well, Tank's Mark 4 hasn't been about for probably about 10 years. So that's Where probably is it right. Now? I don't know. He kind of just dropped off the scene. With, 
I don't know what happened. Probably got tired of dropping 30 grand every show season. Uh, Mark IV. <laughs> just for the scene points. Big Ron's car is incredible. Um, it's kind of the stereotypical answer. Have you seen it mm-hmm. in real life? At Edition one year, yeah. Uh, I haven't. It's There's a couple of cars that I, I would say are amazing builds. The likes of Kyle Walensky's Mark III that he's building. That thing's going to be... I don't like. I don't care what category, what car, you know, what brand. That's going to be world class. That thing, but I haven't seen it in person yet, so I can't say it. But Big Ron's thing was unbelievable. There's a lot of really high end cars kicking about, and it's hard to narrow down even from the UK, Ireland, Europe, America. It's there's some crazy shit out there. And like. then what? Well, it's never going to be Jap because they're all <laughs> shit, basically. I take, take a walk around the Jap show and you see the paint. You'll not no, be I'm, there. I'm, from a quality point of view, as a general rule, their paint is not good. Their yeah, some of their work, think, their engine work and stuff is always amazing. But I think the game has moved on from five years ago, though. I think there's a lot of like a dub shed there. You'll see a lot of Jap cars coming through now, and it's. I used to like I'm paranoid because I painted my car myself. Still- and mm-hmm. I used to go to the Jap show and walk around and be like, Man. my car's brilliant. I love this. <laughs> I've never said that about my car, but it was just like an little ego boost. Um, they're better than they used to be, but they're still not at the level of the vag the stuff. Volkswagen they're just stuff, not. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a if you're going by too, genre, it's probably going to be Volkswagen, BMW. It's got to be something in that vein if you're talking about overall quality of everything. Well, one you mentioned to me earlier was Jörg Bollermann's Mark One. Yeah. The baby blue the one. The blue one we saw the at MIBW. Engine and the magnesium BBS is on it. Wow. Like, I know you can say, I know what Lee's going to say. I'm literally like, I'm ready to go. It's not a car because it doesn't get driven. or That's my objection to those. It's not a real car. So you can't put it in the same category as competing against something that actually gets driven. But then where do you draw the line? Wheat Fields Mark II. Another one we talked about, Lee. Yeah, carved. Carved. Trailer, trailer car. Yeah, yeah. Like, to me, I mean, they're beautiful, car. stunning pieces of work, but they're not real cars, so I kind of discount them. Yeah. Whereas Big Ron's or the likes of that he did drive got it. used and abused on a track, and you know what I mean? They're real cars. And he, well, Big Ron's car ended up, did he, did he get a blowout, crash, hit a bridge and went in fire? Was that the I story? I don't know the full story, I know it got burned out. And it, went fire. it was on the road anyway, like it was being used, so yeah, yeah big respect to that for a car. I don't think he crashed. I think a fuel line split or something. Is that what it was? Maybe he got pulled I mean, I in. Because I've seen pictures. Yeah, he got pulled in. I think it just went in fire. It was a, a bad shape. Yeah. And then I think with... Where's he? Is he so Dutch he went, or Belgian? He went, he went straight to 964, so he, he done all right. I know, but it's 964 is boring. Yeah. It's not a Mark 1. Is that sad? Yeah. Dicker, no. <laughs> um, that red Bora. The low collective. Nathan. I can't remember Nathan's surname off the top of my head. Nathan low collective. Yeah, yeah. twenty four valve short runner, stunning. Oh, it just absolutely stunning. Another great car is Neil Chaplin's Mark IV. Yeah, yeah. It's a car you see yeah. all the time in shows because he takes I the actually, show a lot. But the detail of that car is mental. I forget about Neil's because we see him all the yeah. time as well, and it's and not did, my taste, but it's extremely well done. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And it, in the last year or two, he went to work on the uh gold chroman or whatever they on the yeah, engine bay, like the a engine rose bay. Gold just took the, he took the engine bay to the next level anybody who's listening to this and has a notion what we're on about we'll post these on the the instagram and people can actually have a look and see you know what we're talking about previous years favorite build or best build i'm going back 20 well nearly 20 years ago when the um vag scene down south was big was uh i think the fellow's name was philip o'rourke 
the older guys listening will remember this one. It was a Green Mark One campaign, and it was run the sixteen valve G sixty engine, and it was running. Was it running RASs? I don't know that car at all. Yeah, nobody, nobody will. But see back then, that was just like holy shit. I even still like a Mark One with a sixteen valve. G6. It, it was just a stunning, stunning. There was nothing like it, and it was done fantastic. It was full um, bare metal respray. There was a Recaro interior that was a bit special, and then there was the 1612 G60. At the time, you were going, What? You know, wonder where that car is now. Yeah, um, that back then, that recently, Nathan's Bora, yeah, um, it would probably be a few cars. 2013 went to Vagavent in Poland, and the quality of car I couldn't name it down to one, but the quality of cars at that Polish show was just unbelievable. Yeah, like every detail. I guarantee you we'll be driving home after this and going, whoa, should I say this car? Yeah. Should I say this car? Well, can I put in one more for consideration? Yeah. Raf's Mark 1. Also true. Wow. You haven't seen it. I haven't seen the flesh, so I can't comment. <laughs> that's, like, we, we did the lockdown log with him, and that's what I was saying was anyone who, like, the car was sitting in the garage there, and you mentioned something about the steering rack, and he's like, yeah, and he just puts the camera right down and behind, and, like, he's not afraid to show anything yeah. around it. He's super particular about everything on it. and. Like, I, I've known him for years now, and he, it's the sort of guy that he'll lose sleep over small details, and he has to do them, and has to, they, whether you're going to say it or not is not an issue. Um, And he uses it, like, he, he drives it to work, you know, that he go out for runs in it, goes to meets in it, it gets used and abused, and he drives it hard. Yes, I can attest to that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to remember, what do you call the fella? I think he's from the north of England, the Black Mark II, with a chrome around it. It was on a platform it fitted two years ago. Oh, is that the one that was at uh, Clean Fest as well? Mm-hmm. And it has a, I want to say, a carb date valve yeah. engine on it? Yeah. I forget his name. There's that. And then in Holland, there's a very similar looking one with uh, magnesium BBSs, small bumpers. And it has an 8-valve turbo on it. It was in PBW there recently, and it's same sort of standard. Yeah. Like. We could talk about this for a long time. You know? we yeah, we definitely <laughs> better, better could. <laughs> Um, let me see. If you had the choice to change a career, what would it be and why? I'd always like to paint cars. Right. Why? I I don't know. I, I've always liked doing it. It's something I've, I've done for myself over the years and I enjoy. And I think it's one of those things, I'm sure, like every career, you get a bit pissed off with it after a while. Or, you know, there is ups and downs or you're sitting painting stuff that is accident repair but if you could do like custom work all the time or you know something a bit more specialist that it was a say there was a the demand for it in this country and people would actually pay you something like that would be pretty cool because there's a bit of creativity to it but you're also using your hands a lot lee billionaire playboy philanthropist there you go that was <laughs> just a better call me dan from now on just call me tony stark <laughs> <laughs> you need chicken legs if you want to be dan <laughs> um i th- i think i would if, if i had my life to live again. <laughs> um, I think it would be an outdoor job, some sort of, I don't know, there's a fellow there locally, um, Namaste Trekking, and he, he's, a, he's a mountain guide. Mm-hmm. That'd just, be pretty cool. Uh, just something, something a bit different. I love the outdoors. Love, I love the more mountains. I get up them as much as I can. And you're into your fitness and stuff too. Well, so fitting stuff in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you picked us for the podcast. Fitness, whole pizza in my mouth. Um, <laughs> I just like getting out in the bike. I like getting out up the mountains and an outdoorsy job or something like that there. I'm fortunate in my job where I'm not stuck all the shift in the offices, but yeah. I'm in around the docks and it's quite interesting at times. But uh, 
Yeah, something like that. A combination of that might be, what do you call it, Modbod Rally. Imagine you've done that for a career. Oh, yeah, organising that. Um, you've been drank to death, though, you had no liver. Like, Robin was chatting, he done the Rico Rally. Mm-hmm. He was chatting the guy, he does four of them events a year and does it for a living. Ah, I see, that would be pretty cool if you could do that. Although, would you lose the love for it? It's hard <laughs> yeah. to know. It's hard to know. One yeah, we only do Dubshed once a year and, like, <laughs> fuck <But> that. <laughs> He does four events a year, and yeah, now you probably might. Well, then I suppose you could probably just wreck new routes and stuff as well. So I think I would outdoorsy, outdoorsy Impressive stuff as a lumberjack. Oh yeah, the check shirt on, even with the dodgy knees, <laughs> arthritic hips. It lasts about five minutes. Good for swinging. <laughs> That's what she said. You <laughs> right? Let's move on to Paul Glennon. Uh, Glennon twelve seventy five. Um, I must ask Paul. Some year, what the 1275 stands for. I bet it's for a mini. The mini engine. African, I Do you know nothing? So we asked the deep, deep questions here. Liam Connor, on a scale of 1 to 10, how bad are Nigel's farts? 11. I'd like to go on record and say Nigel's an absolute gentleman and doesn't fart when we're recording. Or if he does, he hides it well. Usually. Usually. Yeah. Sometimes I have to go out of the studio. He does try to hold it in, to be fair. I think it's because Lee's here. He wouldn't care about me. I'm proud of 11. (laughs) Mine aren't great myself, to be fair. Um, I can just imagine my, you know, my hated boat, the fucking overnight Liverpool boat, but for you in a cabin, good lord. I, thankfully, I've never experienced it, but imagining it makes me feel a little bit nauseated. I think that's why the government <laughs> are pushing for masks. There was one crossing and there was me and somebody else and we were bad, full on trumping and... Uh, <laughs> I had to go back into the cabin for my bag after a night's sleeping on it and it just hit me like a brick. Oh, it's oh. bad when you can smell yourself. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's keep this uh, civilised. Right. Uh, Simon asks S14 OCP kind of like the previous question best Mark 1, Mark 2, Mark 3 from the VW scene e.g. Big Ron's Mark 1, Russ Whitfield's Mark 2. Um, so Mark 1. If you're going best doesn't like your favourite you know, versus like the highest end or whatever. It's hard to know. I would go for um, is it? I forget. His name. I think it's Alex. The yes. a taxi on Instagram. Yep, Alex is Mark he, drive, he drives it. It's at every mm. show. It's just always. I think it's been about for a long time now. But yeah, on the good engine, brilliant stance. Nothing. Uh, yeah, I love that thing. No, it's cool. I definitely I would is agree with you there. It is Alex. Yeah, I can't remember his surname though. Any other suggestions for Mark one? Raps. Raps. <laughs> big Rons. Um, I tell you what, another lesson right there. Um, Johnny Kern. Yes, that was, was one we were talking about coming up the road. Actually, yeah, mm-hmm. Johnny Kern's one. Yeah, what color is Johnny's? It's like a yellow with a. It is yellow, isn't it? Yeah, slight orange. <laughs> yeah, it's like actually a, sound like a fart. <laughs> <laughs> Obsessed. Yeah, it's an orangey yellow. Yeah. kind of. It's an original color. It's really nice. Isn't uh, it an original color or is it a Porsche color? I'm not sure. Asking. Another one to watch for then is Paul, who runs Paul Barney, who runs Euro Tripper. He's on yes. Instagram as South. It's SW Florida Mark Six, I think his username is on Instagram. Yeah. Have you seen that Mark One he's building, Swallowtail? That is mental. Um, the paint underneath it is better than anything I've seen probably in this yeah. country. <laughs> Not to insult anybody, but it's that's going to be a world class car as well. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Paul finishing that up. Correctly, then Mark Two. Uh, the card, Russ Whitfield's yeah. card, Mark II. Um, then you discounted because it's, it's not real. It's so annoying. And again, 
the likes of the, those Black Mark 2s that we were talking about as well from we seen at yeah. Clean Fest. Same Maynard's blue one that's in the shed now the past five years as well. Yes. That's, the G6 thing. Yeah. The one that won Dubshed a couple of years back. Do you remember Scott the two Rothers. brothers? Scott Rothers. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah that's seriously nice. Oh, flip, I forgot his name right now. Uh, it's from the grey one. Southern fella. Oh, oh the Resto Mod one? Was it sitting near the toilets at Dubshed? I've no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, I think it was around 15 RSs. Yeah, I know the one you mean. I don't know him, but Half I know the gray. car. Lovely OEM car. Yeah. One of my favourite Mark IIs ever, and it's nowhere near on the level of the ones we've been talking about, but was Ram McDonald's. Big bumper, grey, Socrato interior. interior and stuff in it. I thought that was class. Yeah, it was an example just of a car that was built in a driveway and was used, but do you remember it, the Atlas yeah. grey one? And he had a Corrado at the time that some woman, I think they'd just done a run to MIVW, come back that week and some neighbour reversed into the side of the Corrado and basically drove the whole side of it in. So he had a Mark II, or else he bought the Mark II with the engine busted on it, swapped the Corrado engine into it, done the Corrado dash swap, and then when he fitted the seats, obviously bolted straight in, but to fit the rear bench, he cut the floor pieces out of the Corrado and welded them in so everything fitted like a Corrado rather than just trying to make stuff work kind of thing. Was there TH lines or something on TH, it? It's 15, lovely. 15 really cool TH car. Lines, big bumpers and I mean it was low like it ran low. It was cool that thing. I think he still has it. He's touring around I love that New Zealand car. or Australia at the moment. Another Mark II we haven't mentioned yet is Ronan's. Yes. In fact yeah. Ronan's Mark One, I, I would say was up there for me too. Nah. Oh the Ronan's Mark II is nice. Um, is your throat doing there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now Ronan's Mark II it's not my taste. I don't really like the fire and ice thing. It, uh-huh. I appreciate that it's an unusual thing, and but, but it wouldn't be my choice. But yeah, he's doing some crazy work on it. Yeah. It was cool to see a thing drag racing as well. Remember? I can't wait to get that engine sorted out. Yeah. I think there's actually a question coming up from Ronan, is there? Um, yes, the next question is, funnily enough, from Ronan. <laughs> and he says, what stage will OnlyFans become the viable option to pay for more car parts? As soon as they accept fat balding 30 31 year olds that's totally acceptable i'll go for it yeah i was gonna say it's not an option for me so if anyone wants to see wants my to boobs see <laughs> anyone wants to see my boobs I could, do, I could do an only fans farting account <laughs> <laughs> pay to hear my farts yes <laughs> oh that'd be rough moving swiftly on then another question from ronan how safe is anti-lag in brackets asking for a friend seeing as it's not my car very safe go for do it. it do it do it do it Anything that is fun but doesn't involve me having to part money sounds good. On that note, I think that uh, I think that's it. Actually, just before we go, do we finish up that one? We're saying about the best cars. We got to Mark Two. Did we do Mark Threes? We didn't do Mark Three. The best golfs. How do we leave them out? (laughs) That's funny, isn't it? Andy Maxwell, but raging. (laughs) Mark Threes. Favorite Mark Threes. Gethin's when I had on the road. I was going to say Gethin's. Yeah, I really like Gethin's car. Another one was Pete McGinley's Mark Three. Mm-hmm. That like goldy green color with the textured twenty valve turbo under the bonnet. Do you remember that? Texture painted centered uh, T H lines and like a motorsports kind of vibe to it. I probably know what to see. I was it was on the PVW uh, cover of PVW years ago, but it was such a cool car. The green Vento from the states. Do you remember he had the shoot with like the pinup girls? Oh, in PVW? Yeah, there was a golf front on it and it was painted Hummer Sage Green. It's probably not a big stack of PDV, PW in the corner. <laughs> it actually there. is, because I, I could nearly put my hand on it from when Robin and I were leafing through them. That the was night. pretty cool. Yeah, that was cool. There's been some 
awesome Mark Threes. A couple of those. Do you remember the Scottish guys that used to come over to Dubshed and they had the two purple ones? Douglas Archer and That's uh, right, Dougie. was Ritchie's one of them, which now belongs to Dale. Who owns, yeah, yeah, yeah who owns, uh, They were lovely. Were both of those. Dougie Flockard as well. The Turbo VR6 one. Yes. Mm. No, there's a lot of good Mark Threes. Estates is full of They're mad for Mark Threes. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, Trex's one actually. I didn't like the yellow iteration of it, but I liked it white and I really liked the grey. I like the black with the red interior. Yeah. Um, another one that Lee despises, um, Tembo on Instagram. It's purple. Do yeah. you know it, Nigel? No. It's a... Uh, Wouldn't be one of my favourites, to be fair. body kitted Mark Three on air on what I remember to be 1552s. And it has a purple interior with like a, like a beigey sandy coloured thick piled carpet. And it's the standard of that car. I think it's a, it's an ABA Turbo, I want to say. But the standard in that thing is unbelievable. I can understand it. I knew rightly when Lee looked at it, she wouldn't like it at all. But it's such a cool thing. Um, More locally, Richard McMurrin's, when he had it on the road. Yes. And Paul, Paul Glennon's Mark III was one of my favourite mm-hmm. Mark III's. Those ads on it. Yeah. Brilliant. Can I kick you out? <laughs> Talking about the competition like that. Connor will have to go home and stroke his car when he gets in. <laughs> she didn't mean it. She didn't mean it. <laughs> go home and weld it. <laughs> oh dear. What do you then? Ah, that's that's us through the questions. Thanks very much once again for the questions. Really. Yeah, it always gives us a good laugh. Yep. Talk about farts or anything. You ask us. Yep. <laughs> you ask us. We'll talk about it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So we'll wrap it up there for today. I think hopefully uh, in two weeks' time we'll have titanic dubs stories to regale you with or hashtag pray for titanic dubs yeah fingers crossed on that one and if you any bail money set it aside yeah <laughs> it'll be the usual suspects line up the <laughs> <laughs> um yeah as okay, usual um follow us on instagram collectively or at reload podcast like and subscribe to the podcast as well um leave us a review if you'd like that would be they're always fun to read so yeah and share it on instagram too if you want to follow us individually, my Instagram is at maxwellhouse46. I'm at VDubboy. And I'm at Connor McCann. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. See you again. Cheers, Bye. folks. Bye. Bye. Bye.